On this episode of AV Week, we talk about the next generation of leaders for the AV industry, keeping your employees educated, and also about the Internet of Things and what it means for AV. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Crestron. This is AV Week. Episode 219, recorded Friday, October 30th, 2015. Leadership and education. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host, first and foremost this week. We have Mr. Bradford Ben, all things groovy at Harmon Pro. How are you, sir? Very good. Nice to see you. I greet you with the holy world peace to all our friends out there. Peace and love, baby. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Uh, so with us is Michelle from Media Vision. How are you, ma'am? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Uh, and last but not least, uh, I met Carl at uh, the CI Summit, the CECI Summit, uh, back in August. Great guy. Uh, we got him on a, on a boat uh, out in the middle of the, of the Potomac, so that was fun. Uh, so Carl is from LG Electronics. How are you, sir? Doing well, Tim. Doing well. Happy Halloween to everybody. Happy Halloween. That's right. Happy Halloween. Uh, so if you're... If you're watching this, you know, take your kids out. Um, what are my kids this this year? One of them, my daughter is a descendant, which if you haven't watched that horrible Disney movie, don't. Um, and it's and then my son is a zombie pirate hunter. He's a pirate and he's a zombie, but he says he's a zombie hunter, which I don't get. It's somewhat. Anyway. It's a supernatural thing, but he's my new best friend. What? <laughs> he's seven. Did he steal your costume, Bradford? He yes, probably he did. did. Yes. <laughs> Tim, how long have you known me? Long enough. Yes, he What's, is your new what best What is friend. my avatar? It's the zombie from, from uh, uh, oh, uh, Think Geek. So. And do I talk like a pirate every day? No. Only on that Talk Like a Pirate Day. Dog. Only on, on Talk Like a Pirate Day. All right. A um, couple things real quick. And, and uh, in all seriousness, we, we've got a couple things that we've done this week that are kind of cool. And we're just continuing this whole, holy cow, Tim doesn't, you know, Tim's doing uh, AV Nation full time, so let's let's go around the world. Um, uh, our buddy uh, George Tucker was live at, at Middle Atlantic yesterday uh, for their wrap up of AV Month. Our wrap up of AV Month actually ends tomorrow. We did thirty one posts in thirty one days, uh, but he was with our friend Rebecca Villarreal and the folks at Middle Atlantic as they did their AV Academy. You can check that out on our on our on our YouTube page and our website. George did a great job. If you're watching this live. Um, or you catch it over the weekend, you can come down and join us on Monday and Tuesday as, as we celebrate uh, Digital Signage Week, um, Monday through Thursday next week in New York. Uh, we're going to be broadcasting live uh, from the Dactronics office in the middle of Times Square, which is eh, kind of cool. You know, never done a show from Times Square, so. Sounds like fun. That's neat, you know. 
Uh, so, and uh, they got a bunch of the guys at Daily Do have a bunch of stuff uh, kind of planned out. So, so check that Can out. Can you explain who Daily Do is to those of us who might not know? Daily Do is a is a is a publication. Uh, they uh, Adrian Cottrell and, and the gang over there they cover uh, digital out of home, which is what the D O O H stands for, digital out of home. Um, and they cover digital signage, uh, in, in essence. Um, they cover that end of, of the AV industry. Adrian was with us at, uh, at Infocom this year. Uh, I believe he's going to be with us at ISE, if I'm not mistaken, and I may be saying something I shouldn't at this point. So I'm going to stop talking. Uh, all right, so let's let's kick this off with a couple things. Um, we had two significant passings in the in the AV industry this week. Uh, one was an integrator, right? And uh, his name is Mackie Barron. Mackie started HB Communications years ago, uh, after World War II. He's been involved with um, Infocom and and the precursor to Infocom for well over fifty years, right? He passed away this year. And the other side of that, I guess the other, the other side would be uh, Grant Stewart from Stewart's Film Screen. First of all, not a, a very old gentleman at all. He was he was in his sixties uh, when he passed away uh, this week as well. The 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 issue here, the, the 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 crux of this conversation really, is to kind of mark their passing. It, it's very sad for their family. Our condolences go out to them. Um, Bradford, when when things like this happen. Right. Um, we, we all know that we're going to die. We're all mortal. Right. There, there's no secret here. Um, but these are two gentlemen who led and, and trailblazed two, two significant companies in the space. And not to, to ask, a, I guess, a weird question, but as we move forward and their families grieve and their companies move on, not only who, do, who takes their place in their companies, who takes their place in the industry? That's kind of a very valid question. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, some of the industry icons are now becoming rusty industry icons. Uh, hopefully companies have succession plans, especially for you know bad things happening. Uh, I realize not everyone does, especially smaller companies, but these weren't exactly smaller companies, so hopefully they have things in place. I think the challenge is, is that a lot of the younger generation uh, doesn't have as much of a base in the physical infrastructure or the foundation that's needed to replace the, these gentlemen. You know, we can talk about some of the training options out there, which we'll get to, but still having the, the ability to start a company and grow it that long and have a niche that becomes very successful as the industry expands, I think is going to get harder and harder. Uh, you know, we can talk about screens. Our screens... Screens are definitely here to stay, but Stewart made some incredible things that they started with, you know, perf screens and very large non, non-seamed screens. And HB Communications, they've been involved in things that we don't even think about, uh, but they've been involved for so long. But now, I hate to say it, thanks to the internet and some of this stuff, finding a getting a big business that adds things back is getting smaller and smaller because there's lots of small startups and then the the desire to actually make a unique product everyone runs to kickstarter and off it goes and they kind of throw it against the wall and see see what happens whereas these people said i see a need i'm going to fix it and we're going to go from there so i think that's there is going to be a slight 
difference, but I also think I'm underselling the younger generation because uh, you do have people like Johnny Moda, who is definitely into the industry and is working for the common good. But I do think it's definitely left a hole uh, in the industry with these with these greats passing. Same as when Crestron's founder passed, there's always that challenge of who comes up next to fill the ranks. Uh, like I said, part of it is I think us as the graybeards, uh, sorry, uh, Michelle, but us as the older generation. Uh, Thank you would ha have a duty to kind of mentor and bring along some of the the newer people and explain to them best practices. And, oh, you still need gain staging even though it's all digital. And, oh, you know, look for this widget. Oh, I just wish someone made a widget like this and talk through that stuff. But, unfortunately, I see a lot of conversations uh, devolving into uh, personality issues and who's the smartest person in the room. I think we need to be much more, uh, much more open with our ideas, so that we can hopefully grow the industry and backfill these people. All right. That's kind of long-winded, but no, it was fine. Um, you, you know, you're you're a gray beard. I expect that. You know, just like my grandfather, he just sit back and get off my lawn, you dead Uh Michelle Bradford brought you in, so I'll ask you the same question. How do you do that? You know, how how do you? Well, cautiously and, and respectfully still try to train these folks that sometimes, let's be honest, millennials think they know everything. That is true. Um, it's funny because during uh, what Bradford said, what I was writing down was, you know, cultivating new talent and working on bringing people up and mentoring them up through the company as the company grows, I think. You know, each company kind of has to look at what they want to do with their future and then try to work on building, getting those talents to be able to take over for them because maybe they want to retire before they die in this industry because that would be nice, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> so maybe working on some sort of a succession plan. I mean, I've always been about mentoring anybody they've ever worked with. So uh, you know, I think those are really good plans, and it's really uh, sad to see both of these people passing um, both great guys in our industry. And, um, you know, I like that Stuart is still going to have, um, you know, people from their family, like fourth generation, you know, cousins and stuff taking over the company for now. So um, I'm excited to kind of see where they take the company from here. Yeah, I am. I am too, you know. Um, all right. Uh, Carl, same question to you. Um, you know, what, what, um, what should uh, we do as an industry to kind of replace these folks? Well, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have had the opportunity to meet Mackie Barron. Um, HB Communications, ironically, is an account of mine that I work with on a regular basis. In their instance, I think they've got a great succession plan. I think Dana uh, is doing a great job up there, and, and they're in good hands, and, and it'll move on. It is still certainly a, a, a big loss to the industry. But I think companies like HB that develop that talent, you know, much like Bradford and Michelle were talking about, and folks, and I may not look it, but I am actually a gray beard as well. I'm well into my 50s now and been in this industry for what, over What, you're in your 50s? Yeah, I'm in my 50s. Come on. Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, it's all this all this clean living here in Pennsylvania. Start exercising. No kidding. Give me this Bradford every day. It pays off, trust me. Um, but anyway, I, I think they've got a great succession plan and things are going to move along well for them. But the cultivation of talent is critical because... I feel that there's too many um, smaller companies out there looking for the slick, quick buck, 
and there's no real education or there's no real craft in that. Whereas companies like HB and others that are in that position, I think they do a good job trying to cultivate their talent, bring their people along at, at a careful pace and make sure they understand what it takes to bring true solutions to the market. And in doing so, you become educated and understand better about the products, what's coming, how can you uh, steer a customer in the right direction and not just fit them with any solution, but fit them with the right solution. So I think companies that have that kind of mentality are going to do very well and they're going to be very lasting. Again, like an HB is an example. They've been around for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. They, now that I've gotten to think about it a little more, I, I, I think that Carl and Michelle have very valid points, but I also think we have to look at some of the larger end users uh, for mentoring their people. Uh, I work with a lot of end users, and in two years, I've watched someone going from coiling cables and measuring uh, how high off the floor speakers were to now he's a general foreman for the venue because he put that extra effort in. He learned. He signed up for listservs. He asked me a lot of questions. So in two years, he went from you know a new guy to running a venue at a major theme park. So it's I do think it's possible. I just think sometimes it's harder to see outside of a company that makes sense that makes sense all right uh we're going to focus a little bit on uh, on bradford's company uh not because bradford was on actually because this this release came to me uh as we were preparing uh for today uh it's from our, our friends over at caster communications my buddy alex Harmon professional solutions bss audio receives avenue alliance certification Yay! Yay. Um, it's for the Sound London uh, Blue 805 and Blue 325 processors. Um, we're going to end with you, Bradford. Um, everybody kind of knows my, my two cents on Avenue and, and, and TSN. I'm a big proponent of it. I've been bullish on it for the last two or three years. I'm a big fan. My biggest problem is it is this very thing, is getting things certified, is getting things um, out there with, with that sticker on it. Um Michelle, when it comes to getting industry certifications like this, how important is it when you go out and you try to sell this either to um, an integrator or in even an end user directly? Uh, well, we personally don't have that certification. No, yet, just, but, but but not that one, but just in general, but, those those types of certifications. Well, you know, we think it's really important, um, especially for, you know, our particular product, and I think a lot of other manufacturers think the same, that um, once you work with, you know, integrators and get them certified with your product, um, they tend to use it more often uh, because it's more familiar to them. So for us, um, you know, we always try to, well, we always do include, you know, on-site training from our company, but while we're there, we also certify the dealer you know, uh, and integrator right on site so we can um, have them, you know, be more integrated in our product and be able to promote it out in the future. So for us, I think certification in our product is very important as well as looking for the right certified people for doing certain types of installs. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, Carl, from, from your standpoint or from LG standpoint in general, you know, how important are, are these industry certifications? Well, I'm sure you guys understand as a company the size of LG, uh, many of these certifications uh, are a must. 
we have to have them for the product line. Uh, people expect them and anticipate them being there, whether it be you know LEED certifications or UL certifications, whatever the case might be. So those are, are, are absolute must for us, and it's built into the cost of the product. But a company I used to work for uh, designed and built outdoor enclosure solutions for large format displays for um, outdoor walking malls, uh, quick start restaurant drive-thrus, places like that. And one of the things people didn't recognize in putting products like that in place was the vast amount of certifications that were necessary because they would expect, for instance, there to be a, believe it or not, in Florida hurricane certification. So it would withstand 130 mile an hour straight wow. line winds. And uh, UL certifications for various things, whether it be a, a NEMA rating or an IP rating based on environmental conditions or electrical ratings. And these certifications, they add up. I mean, they can be $25,000, dollars $50,000 per. And a lot of people, I don't think, had an understanding of how important they were in relation to not only how the product performed, but also into the cost of the product that was involved with regard to, you know, they come to you and say, well, okay, your solution's too expensive. And I'd say, well, here, let me strip out all these certifications for you, <laughs> you know, not have it work in the environment you want it to work in, and let's see how well that performs. So I, I understand the need for them, but I think sometimes the, the consumer doesn't necessarily recognize the costs that are involved in getting these certifications. I, I, I'm going to ask a question, and it's, it's it, have all of you seen the movie Tommy Boy? Just, just oh, yeah. before I go here. Yes. Right. There, there's a scene oh, wow. where where Mr. Farley says, you know, I can I can use the restroom in a box and slap a guarantee on it and, and do the same thing. And, and I'm not saying that about this certification about the ones you're talking about, Carl. But is how do you sell that to to a client? How do you sell that? Because you're right. They are going to say, you know, I didn't realize it was they could go up to fifty thousand um, dollars. I had heard the twenty five before, but not fifty. How do you explain that to to a client where you go, you know what, you're right, I can take all this stuff away, and this $5,000 you know, display is suddenly $899. Great, awesome. You might be buying one every year, though. I mean, is that the type of, I mean, what, what does that conversation sound like, Carl? i got to be honest with you. My, I, I've only been with LG uh, quite close to two years now. And in my previous company, like I said, uh, building the, uh, the product we built, people relied on them to be, figuratively anyway, bulletproof. And you start to put them out there. And frankly, you could, we could put together a product that would have been literally or figuratively bulletproof. But when it came right down to it, whenever they were putting them in, I can use quick serve restaurants in particular. You go to QSR and start putting these things in and you'd have an electrical inspector come in. And if he did not see the proper certification, he would not give them an occupancy permit to give you an example. Oh, wow. Okay. So there were obstacles just to getting these things mm in from the standpoint of being able to do business uh, in any particular location. So unfortunately, they were necessary evils. Um, we would always get the uh, environmental certifications as well, though, because we wanted to have the customer have the reassurances that our product had been tested at an independent lab under certain conditions so that they knew that it would work for them in those same conditions. Makes sense. All right, uh, let's get let's get to the, the TSN part, the Avenue well, Alliance. Yes, sir. I just want to put a little clarification on this. Uh, unlike the certifications that we're talking about for UL listings, safety ratings, IP, NEM, all that stuff, this is an industry certification about interoperability more than an industry certification about, yes, this will work. Now, one of the things that some manufacturers are doing, including Harman, is we are doing life safety rated products and non-life safety rated products. So that way 
we're actually splitting the cost between products. So if you don't want all those additional features, it costs a little less. You want a fire rated control 25 AV with life safety, we have to make some small changes to the box and put in those things. Now, something else to consider in some areas, uh, there are strict regulatory requirements like EN 54 uh, for evacuation and notification overseas. And we got to make sure to cover those as well. And those are the $25,000, $100,000 investments. So it is a big deal. The, this being interoperability, I think the customer wins of knowing I get two or three Avenue certified products going together, I can build a system. But also the other certifications for safety are just as important. Okay, so that, that I guess that's where I was going with that is the fact that it, this is an industry standard, this is an industry you know, certification. It's voluntary, right? I mean, yes. you don't have to have it. Um, so here's the, the two questions for that. Carl mentioned the fact that of how much these things cost. Where does the trade-off come, Bradford, when you don't have to have this? Technically, you could put together, I could put together, uh, well, I couldn't. I'm not that smart. But you could hire someone to put together a, a TSN, you know, switch, let's say. Yes. And, and a talker and a listener. Not get it certified. Market it as such. Yes. Well below um, what some other ones would be. But it's not certified, right? So there's no, there's no, there's no guarantee that it's going to be, you know, operating uh, with other TSN products. So where is that mark when it comes to, you know, I guess the best way to ask this is, is, is where does that certification become valuable? Uh, so this is kind of complex, and I've been on the inside of it, so I'm going to be a little obtuse, mainly because other people are doing other solutions. We've decided to do this solution at Harman. Uh, the big reason Harman decided to do the certification is interoperability, is the we can plug these two products together and they work. We can add in a certified uh, product from a manufacturer in the Berkeley area. We can add in a certified product from a mixing console. We can add in a Motu certified product, all these other products. And it doesn't come down to, it doesn't work, who do I call? Now it's, okay, we know everything's going to talk together. They have a certain base setting of, of standards. They'll start talking, so it's lowering some of our our costs of support and cost of sales by having the system verified by an outside party, much like a peer review for a design. Uh, there is cost for that. However, for instance, getting the Avenue certification on the BSS product was less expensive because we'd gotten the Avenue certification on Crown products ahead of time. So we can amortize that cost because we're using the same AVB hardware internally. So we didn't have to start at ground zero. Oh. Now there's the other model that other vendors are going with, and it's perfectly valid, of the we're going to use AVB but our, or TSN or digital networking of our issue and do a closed-loop system. But as soon as you start putting that AVB TSN label on it, people expect it to talk together. And now who do you ask when it doesn't work? Because the last thing I think any of us want is for our integrators and our customers to be standing there my my uh, my DVD player is not talking to my mixer, which is not talking to my amplifier. Where's the problem and who do I call? And Avenue helps cut down on that because we already know those products can talk to each other. 
Whereas if you have products that this is an AVB device and this is an AVB device that, that and neither of them are certified, who do you call? How do you know they're going to work? Are they using the same stream protocol? Are they using the same sample rate? All these little things that are in the minutia, but these are the things that take hours and weeks and days to track down. So I think the benefit to the customer is, look, we've gotten it certified by a third party. Things are going to work together. And it's it's an investment, but it's a good investment. Uh, we can we as Harmon have seen a, a downtick in the amount of support we have because of this, because now the two talk to each other perfectly. They both talk the same language. So there is a benefit for the customer of that there's been a third party looking at it. And for those of you who are curious, it's the University of New Hampshire. So it's truly a third party that's yeah. outside of the industry and outside of like manufacturer A says it works. Well, and that's that's one of the things that that kind of gets me is the it, that, that excites me about the fact that about TSN and about Avenue is they do have this this third party. It's not you know you know it's not UL Labs, but it's a, it's a third party and 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 they do they do a good job. They do a thorough job. My biggest thing right now is just getting it through that process and 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 speeding up that process. Right. Um, in the last year, the the first one, I mean, and they made they, and they should have they made big bones about the fact that the first product out was was an extreme network switch. It happened back in February. And since then, there have been three other products. I believe I could be I could be mistaken about that number. Sounds about right. And one of the things I can say is part of the the speed problems, because we were the first endpoint to be Avenue certified. So you're the problem. The, <laughs> Was yeah, it was our problem. Is that it, it sounds funny, but for us to hook up a Harman device to a Harman device and they work is great. But we had to wait for another talker and listener to come up, come along, and be able to match the two up. Because one of the things in the rules is you can't just test with your own products. You have to test with other people's products. Well, if you're ahead of, if there's nothing else that's Avenue certified yet, how do you test against it? So yeah. it was kind of that one walkie-talkie problem. It's cool, but not much fun. Now, what's happened since then is it's gotten a lot faster. We've gotten a lot faster. I can tell you that this certification for Avenue took about, after we decided we were going to do it as Harmon, it took about 45 days. And that included us updating firmware and all that. So it can get pretty quick. But part of that's because it's sharing technology with an already certified product okay. and we know what we're doing having done it a few times it's kind of like i'm sure as everyone else knows especially lg if you get the first television certified for ul the second time's a lot faster so there is there is speed coming and there is a tipping point for this and i think when manufacturers see that customers are asking for it you'll see more products because i know that's the next question and i think a lot of that is on the integrators and the end users going I want to know that my pieces work together. And that's one of the things we have to train people on is you're building a system, you're not buying components now. Yeah. With how much networking and interconnectivity is going on, it truly is a system. Uh, you know, it's like you can't just buy a VoIP phone and not have a central switch to plug it into. So you have to buy the entire system. And having ways to know that your system is certified to work is great. It's kind of like if IEEE... Uh, hadn't ratified Category 5 cabling and Ethernet as 802.a, I think it was, but none of these things would talk to each other either. So I think it's a it's a good good thing for everyone. 
No, it isn't, and it makes sense. It it just getting it's getting integrators and the engineers who are working on this on a day in and day out basis to understand that they're designing whole systems. I think a lot of them are already doing it that way. It's just they're they're part and piecing them together, right? And instead of doing that, they need to take kind of a holistic approach to it as as they're putting it all together and understanding all that. So. Alrighty, uh, from our friends over at Commercial Integrator, Infocom urges members to stay exceptional uh, with Infocom International in the early stages of developing its next strategic plan. And if you don't know that, every three years they, they do, uh, Infocom goes, the board goes through their next strategic plan. Uh, it's set for release sometime next year. One element that's likely to carry over from, from 13 uh, is the push for integrators to create exceptional experiences. I'll take one issue uh, with Mr. Craig McCormick on this. I think it's more than just integrators. Uh, I really didn't notice this when I was scheduling this this very show, but I have three manufacturers on this program. So, Carl, <laughs> uh, I would I would still say it, it's it's somewhat on you guys as well. Um, I I really believe that because um, whether it's customer service, whether it's technical support. Um, Integrators can't do their job uh, if if they're if they're hurting uh, for support from your guys' end. So, Carl, we will start with you from from LG, and again from your perspective. How do you guys make sure that it's an exceptional experience at the very end when the when the end client, the actual owner of the facility, comes in, and you know your your TV TVs are on the wall, and and what they see is is wow. Well, I, I like to think that at least from the LG perspective, Tim, we, we want to offer, uh, you know, displays are commodity items, as everyone knows. There's plenty of manufacturers, well, not so much manufacturers, but plenty of folks out there marketing displays that, that do very similar things. So you're right. There has to be a differentiator there that makes it an exceptional scenario. And we like to think that one of the things we offer is our signage software solutions that go along. We have various flavors from our SuperSign to our SuperSign EZ. Uh, to a very, very basic scheduler for those that are just looking to put up a single display, maybe rotate JPEGs or, or things of that nature, and they don't want to really get too terribly involved uh, to make it easy for them. Um, so we like to offer these tools as well to our integrators so that they have a way to bring more than just a display to the customer. It, it, it's a solution that they can put in front of them that helps them solve a challenge, frankly, solve a business challenge. And it can be anything, like I said, from the basic school cafeteria menu all the way up through an enterprise that needs to have a, uh, uh, you know, a, a solution that provides signage throughout an entire corporate center or across the country for that matter. So we like to think that we provide some of the tools to the integrators to help them bring exceptional solutions to the to the end user and allow them to take advantage of the things that we have to offer. All right, that makes sense. Uh, Bradford, from your standpoint and from, from Harmon's standpoint, you guys have a lot of things to offer uh, from almost from soup to nuts. You don't you don't have quite have uh, displays wrapped down yet, um, <clears throat> unless you'd like to break some news right here on the podcast that you guys have bought somebody. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to get in trouble with the SEC if I even make a joke about this. Anymore. I know you will, but I can make jokes all day long. I don't own stock. I don't I don't you know this, that and the other. Um, but <laughs> all kidding aside. Um how do you guys do it? I mean, you guys obviously have got a, a holistic approach uh, from speakers to amps to, well, now, you know, control systems and, and uh, video transport. So how do you guys do it? Well, you forgot lights. I'm sorry, lighting and, and soundboards and yeah. <clears throat> like, so, car audio, headphones. Yeah. 
everything. Uh, Except displays. Yes. Right. So the question is, how do you is how do we make things exceptional? And part of it is that we as as a company understand our customers need a reason or need help getting customers into their business. Uh, as a B two B sales company in the division I'm in or the business unit I'm in, I look at it as I have to sell to end users such as arenas and theme parks and corporate environments and kindergarten through 12th grade and colleges, which is a little different than the experience you're going for Guitar Center, but making it unique and exceptional is still important. Uh, you have to help your customers succeed. You have to help your customers provide something that they can't get at home. You know, it sounds funny, but everyone was doing the doom and gloom of the movie theaters 10 years ago, and it was pretty bad. But now that home theater has caught up and gotten to the point where everyone has one, the cinemas are coming back doing things like putting in quantum logic to do surround sound at a level that you can't typically do at the house because of the investment. So that's making the experience, uh, you know, exceptional. The whole idea is that sometimes the exceptional experience is, as I call it, the iPhone experience. You don't realize all the technology behind it because it's so simple, but that's what makes it exceptional is when you don't have an iPhone for a day or you don't have your Android or you don't have your laptop and you start thinking about how integral it is. And that's the other thing we're trying to do in the boardrooms is make it a simple user experience that's exceptional. And I do think that integrators and have a role to play in this because sometimes the exceptional experience can be bad. Uh, the exceptional experience of a bad integrator is bad. We'll all agree to that. The system you leave behind is your calling card. And you've got to think about, I want to make my system you know, exceptional so that I'm exceptional to my customer. So I think it's kind of a add value all the way through the chain, make it better than the sum of the parts and give people a reason to call you or use your products. You know, obviously, Carl can talk about what the brightness and the contrast ratio is and all that in the displays, but to come in and say, here's why it's better, here's how you're going to have a unique experience, here's the unique selling points, our key thing, and our integrators need to be able to do that rather than just come in and go, I'm less expensive. Because that's kind of been the problem, especially with the internet, is everyone's going, I can buy this cheaper on Amazon, eBay, Qubits, take your point, and to be able to come in and go, here's the experience you're going to get, and I'm going to make sure it's going to work, and this is why you want to use it. Provide that exceptional service is kind of the key. All right, Michelle, I'm, I'm going to bring up a maybe a, a touchy subject uh, for manufacturers, and, and this is why I think manufacturers are just as important to the exceptional experience. Bradford brought up the fact that that, that system that, that the integrator leaves is their calling card. It's only their calling card if they put it on a like blank rack space. Whose calling card it is more often than not is yours. And yours, Carl. And yours, Bradford. And whoever else. It's that label that you guys put on those beautiful black boxes and those little interfaces that sit on the desktop. Um, you know, LG and, and Media Vision and Harmon, you guys put your name everywhere, and that's wonderful, and you should. But how do you uh, uh, how do you make sure that it's an exceptional experience when sometimes you're not working with the best um, 
representatives in in the field. Uh, how I'm trying to be diplomatic here. Uh, I know. How, and it, it's funny because that was one of the things that I was going to say when I was listening to Bradford is that especially with MediaVision product with the, the speakers and microphone and video monitor delegate units right in front of everybody, um, you know, if there's an audio problem, it's just the microphone that's in front of them, not anything, a myriad of 100 different products that could be uh, going on behind it. You know, so as a company, uh, what we try, what we've done really is just focus. All we do is, you know, sell the Titan conference microphone. So um, everybody there just tries to be an expert. So we have, you know, from soup to nuts as far as a company goes to be able to support from the first person who answers the phone knows a little something all the way to in the field. And then that's what happens. Usually our product, we get in the field, we get to work with the end user and then uh, make that connection along the way with the end user and keep in touch with them to make sure that everything is working right. So, you know, it's kind of up to us to try to keep making that connection, you know, through the end user and through the dealer. Well, yeah, and if I can add into there, Tim, real quick, one of the things that we do from the LG perspective is we offer a service called IQS, which is our installation quality service. So if, a, uh, if it's a higher profile or even a larger installation and the uh, system integrator doesn't feel 100% comfortable, we'll send out a tech who will subsequently work hand-in-hand -hand with their folks to make sure that the experience is good not only for the integrator but certainly for the end user and from the LG perspective we offer that as a free service because we recognize how important it is to carry this all the way through to the end user. Yeah, so absolutely. can you come over next weekend and check my TVs because I put them up myself and I'm an audio guy <laughs> so I'll be the first to say I need help. Okay first of all it has to be an LG display Bradford. It is. So I have three of them. <laughs> uh, excellent Bradford. Keep my stock price up. Good work, good work. Can I can I tell you this is a total geek thing. So so when I was a programmer and and, and I actually loved LGs, especially back in the day, because they were one of the few that still maintained a, a DB9 on the back, not a stupid freaking three and a half millimeter uh, uh, headphone jack, basically for for their service port, and their their control protocols were very simple. So still on every display. Thank too. you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, I'll carry that through to manufacturing. You're awesome, dude. You're yeah. Don't don't go to the stupid headphone jack. It, it's confusing. It you're not sure if it's in there. It's I just want to know when's it going to go Ethernet because it is the Internet of Things nowadays. Well, well Ethernet's I don't I don't mind Ethernet. I do I do like the Ethernet, but if if you're going to do simple you know uh, baud rate communication, you know a, a DB9 is 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 up there. I mean. It, it's it's up there with a Phoenix connector. Um, but so. how many of these young whippersnappers today know how to pin out a DB9 and know a null modem versus a straight-through cable, or no. let alone know what a DB9 is because they don't have one on their laptop? So true, Bradford, so true. Yeah. You can get one on your laptop. You just got to order it. Special. <laughs> Never mind. All and right. Do you have? What? How many Macs do you have? I have... I've, I have two in the studio for for recording, but my. And do my, any of them have a DB9? None of them. They, they barely. I don't even don't think they have a media thing anymore. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. Let's let's continue on. Bradford did something cool this week uh, that we'll talk about and then get into a, conversa a bigger conversation. Um, he went to something called training. 
actually uh, he he did the training himself. He was the he was the trainer at uh, at SynodCon. SynodCon is something that I've liked for a lot of years. Uh, been to a couple of trainings myself uh, with Mister uh, Mister Pat Brown. Bradford helps him out from time to time. Um, he learns as much as he as he trains. Um, but the reason for bringing this up actually is is to talk about training. To talk about you know uh, not just uh, the the different certifications we have in the industry, but how we keep on top of things. Uh, lots have been written about the fact that there's no degree here, right? Lots have been has been written about the fact that that there are certifications and there are renewal units, and we we need to keep up on on making sure that we honestly keep up on this changing um, industry. We're going to talk about Internet of Things here in a couple of minutes. Michelle, from, from your perspective, how do you keep not only the people that you work with on a daily basis, but also your dealers sharp, I guess, is the best way to ask that uh, when it comes to training? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think, um, I think everybody has to continue to do training in order to keep growing in this industry. You know, I mean, things are changing all the time. And so if I'm not continuing to train uh, and learn about my products and our competitors' products, you know, as well as the inner, I think it's just it's very difficult for the integrator. I mean, there's so many products out there that they need to know about and be trained on, right? So um, as a manufacturer, we try to, you know, give them as much support and let them lean on us as much as possible. Makes sense. All right, Carl, from, from you guys' standpoint, LG or, or just yours in general, you know, what? how do you guys keep people trained up? Well, we, we internally um, train at least a couple times a year, sometimes three times. We tr typically take advantage of, uh, of gathering everybody either like at Infocom or DSE or something like that, get there a day beforehand, and then get training in generally on new product and what we've got coming down the pike. Uh, quite often we'll cover roadmap, things of that nature. Uh, we do offer trainings to our, our resellers and integrators. Uh, generally we do it via a webinar series that we have. Whereas we bring out new products, we'll go ahead and have a webinar where we'll uh, involve everybody with regard to the you know finer functions of the product, and then that leads into our IQS that I mentioned before, where uh, our folks will literally go on site and train the trainer type scenarios where they'll help folks, whether it be with color calibration, white balancing, um, how to do USB cloning with our displays, things of that nature, so that when they move forward, they'll have a better handle on exactly what it is they're doing with our products. Right, makes sense. Uh, Bradford, from, from your perspective, how do you personally, and then also how does Harmon? Well, first I need to make a little clarification. Uh, the class that Pat uh, Brown, Steve McAtee from Rain and myself were preparing for is actually in Washington, D.C., the week of the 16th of November. Oh. We were taking two days to actually prep for the class. Now, the reason I bring up that clarification is we gave this class a year ago. And technology has moved on so much, we had to spend two days going through and revamping the entire class. So it's a different class than last time. And the, this is kind of a key element because people go, oh, I took that class already. I know that. Why do I need to take it again? Well, unlike driving a car, things are going to move. Your gas pedal is not always going to be on the right in the audio industry. Someone's going to make pin three hot be or quiet. remove the pins altogether. So... <laughs> That training becomes an ongoing thing. Knowledge is, an, is a journey, not a destination. Kind of like people say security is a journey, not a destination. Same idea of we spent two weeks or two days going through and every page on 80-page manual and going and update it. And, yes, everyone's more than welcome to join us in Washington, D.C. You get to meet me. That's my show <laughs> moment for Pat and Brenda. 
Uh, I'll even take you out for ice cream. But the uh, <laughs> the big thing is in the freezing cold. In the freezing cold. I'll take you out for Starbucks. I I I can smell them. There we go. In terms of training, it's a big deal at Harmon. We put a lot of investment into it. If you look at the AMX training rooms, we have all around the the country and the world. You look at uh, SoundWeb London training. You look at Audio Architect training. We spend a lot of time and do a lot of video. And just like Carl mentioned, we'll do a lot of webinars online. Uh, the challenge is getting back to those young whippersnappers. Uh, and also for the more experienced people is some of the foundations are missing with a lot of this training and getting people to understand that uh, becomes important because like some of the older people don't understand IP addresses. Some of the younger people don't understand ground hums. So doing this training to bring everyone to the same common language and vocabulary becomes important. As Harmon, we look at it as we train you on our, on our products, you get comfortable on our products, you succeed quickly and easily on our products, and we're, we're able to work with you faster. I think all the manufacturers are like that. We want to make working with us easier. I do think training's a big thing, and I think that the idea of having industry certifications and product certifications is good. I think that, our, that continuing education units are important because that keeps you fresh and new, but I think part of it is people like us have to remind people, well, you learned this, and that was in 2007. It's eight years later. Cobernet's not king anymore. AES67 is king, or Dante is king, or TSN, AVB is king. So staying current and not thinking you know everything is kind of the big one. And I think part of this lies on the integrators as well as the end users of the training institutions and the manufacturers need to explain how the investment in training will lower their cost of operations, will make things faster. You know, if you get, if you take training for, uh, I'm just going to pick, you know, configuring a DSP engine from brand A, B, C, or D, and you can now program that DSP engine in one hour instead of eight hours, that investment's worth it if you're going to do seven or eight projects like that. So we as, as manufacturers and in the industry have to say, here's why it's going to help you. Here's how it's going to help you succeed. And people on the other side need to think, if I can use new technology, will it help me stay current? Will it help me succeed? Is it going to make my life easier? You know, it's kind of like the iPhone thing. First few times you used it, you were stumped. Now people can't live without their cell phones. So I think it's a, it's a two-way street, and we have to, have to explain to people where the value comes from making this investment and how we can help them succeed. Yeah, and that's part of the reason that the, that the CEU credits are even available for manufacturer's training as well as for SNODCON training and, you know, video training. Take your pick. But, and what I would say is also from a, a manufacturer standpoint, and you guys may not be able to say this, but I'll say it, it, it lowers you guys' cost, honestly, um, because it, it lowers your, your technical support costs. You have a trained army out there. You have a trained workforce that knows your product because you have trained them. You're going to have less technical support calls. You really are. No, yeah. Well, you, if you still get technical support calls, they're going to be faster and more accurate. Yes. Uh, which sounds dumb, but it's a huge thing when someone goes, I tried this, 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 and this, and they don't work. And they can go, okay, try this, and poof, it works. It makes things better. Yeah. And also, you know, as Carl was saying and Michelle were saying, if you have a certified installer and they call you up with a problem, I'm willing to bet you all of us will go. They've been through the training. They've made the investment. They're partners with ours. 
yes, we, we don't think the product is smarter than them. Let's figure this out together. And, you know, it makes everyone win. It's a true partnership. Well, one other aspect to consider, though, is when you've got uh, trained individuals out there on your product line, the nice thing is they're comfortable with your product line and as you know, end users ask them more questions, they're more likely to recommend your products moving forward. Yep. And I know they're not there with the intent of, of being salespeople, but certainly a lot of these people rely on technical individuals and their, um, you know, what is their opinion of something. And if they're giving positive feedback on how they like working with something because they feel comfortable with it, well, they're going to start giving that person that same comfort zone because they've had such great experience. Yeah, absolutely. So true. All right, guys. Uh, that's uh, we were going to talk about internet of things, but we're actually a little bit. Eh, we'll we'll do it real quickly. Um, two, two things, real quick. There's a, an article on on avnetwork.com. Uh, our friends over at Newbay um, asking what is the internet of things to AV. Second thing is we have a brand new show with Dave Danto called Connected, talking about the internet of things. So real quickly, Michelle, we'll start with you and we'll, we'll end up with Bradford. From your perspective, and, and it can be from me division or from Michelle's perspective, you know, personally, what is the end of things when it comes to the world of AV? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it's a good thing. And then sometimes, you know, it's not such a great thing. Um, you know, our product for, you know, personally for Media Vision, our product for a long time never did have internet access because we felt that, um, you know, if you were in a meeting um, using our product that you were, you know, supposed to be there concentrating on the meeting, not able to go out on the internet. But, you know, we just find that there are a lot of people that actually do need to do that during a meeting. So, you know, there's a lot, you know, the internet is just too vast of a place for information that people need to get to, whether it's, you know, connecting AV equipment or just finding out information during whatever it is that they're doing. So it's just too important to life these days. It's a good thing and a bad thing. All right. I like that answer. Carl, from you? From, from you? Um, I, I think it's really the Internet of Things to me and how it impacts AV is, is the streamlining. Uh, I've noticed that in our product line in particular where we're adding uh, the ability for some of our displays to be uh, access points, for instance, in huddle rooms or conference okay. rooms where you can have 10 to 15 people sitting in a room and it give them the ability to connect and it's it's streamlining now you don't need a separate access point as, as part of what you're doing um, the internet of things also can be something as simple as low power bluetooth and the ability to communicate with people walking by the displays in a particular environment uh, to deliver a message or to, to, to get information from them um, in a safe manner of course but again just another way to bring information and the ability to gather and and disseminate that information in a more streamlined fashion uh, to me, those are the Internet of Things because eventually, um, you know, and you're starting to see it now with Chevy, for instance, where they've got their cars have uh, the ability. I've got one uh, where you've got it's basically a wireless a wireless access point, a way to, another way to get to the Internet uh, through your vehicle, for instance. So I, I think it's the streamlining and, and making uh, the Internet ubiquitous. And though Michelle made a great point, it may not be the best thing in the world right now. Uh, everybody needs access to the information, and it's being forced in that direction. So this is just going to make it easier for everybody to be able to do it in a more streamlined fashion. All right. Bradford, last word on the Internet of Things, sir. Well, I liked the show with, with Dave Danto, the connected thing. Nice to see it, uh, the, or listen to it, I guess. The, the thing I see is it's, everyone's expecting it now. Everyone says, you know, I have a Nest thermostat at home. 
why do I have to get up from my chair in my office to turn on and off my lights or to adjust the temperature? So it's become an expectation. As Michelle and Carl both said, it's a plus and a minus. Uh, now you have people sitting in meetings with their iPhones and their Androids and their Windows uh, portable and all that stuff looking for, for Wi-Fi so they can go in, out on the Internet of Things or project their items. And I think that's an important thing is to make it easy for people to bring their own device and tie into the, the conferencing systems or the you know the self-serve system. My favorite is Starbucks allows me to order my coffee before I walk in. Uh, and they just hand it to me. Love that feature. And that's the Internet of Things. I can talk directly to their printer. Uh, Bradford, the, do you have you have stock in Starbucks, man? No, <laughs> really? I really. Great question, Carl. <laughs> I have an addiction, and I get a Christmas card from Howard, uh, Howard Schultz every year because of how much I buy. <laughs> I don't <laughs> doubt that, actually. But uh, the the uh, the Internet of Things is good, and it gives us some power that we don't always think about. Uh, the lowering of service costs of the you have 300 conference rooms a on a campus and I can go through the Internet of Things and go get to that device and fix it without having to send someone over there that takes 10 or 15 minutes. So it makes the experience better. But then there are other things that are kind of make my head itch. Like, does the refrigerator really need to be on the Internet so you can write down a shopping list? I understand how it makes sense. I understand the idea. But then it becomes an access point into your house and the weakness and all that stuff. So I think the Internet of Things is great. It's actually building systems that make the user experience better, which is a good thing. But I think sometimes just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, like my toothbrush has Bluetooth to tell me how long I've brushed for. Do, do I really need that? In case you're curious, it's been, it was two and a half minutes this morning and four minutes last night. Interesting. Good work, Bradford. Yeah. Your mom would be very good, good proud. You. All right. That's going to do it. That was an interesting way to note, uh, to end on. All right. Uh, Carl from LG, thank you, sir. How can people uh, find you or get a hold of you or LG? Uh, well, they can reach me at uh, Carl with a K dot Jackson at LGE.com. All right. Very good. Uh, Michelle from Media Vision, same question to you. How can people get a hold of you? Excellent. You can email me at Michelle with two L's at media-vision.com. Thanks again, Tim, for having me. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, all right, Bradford, yeah, last but not least, how can people find you and or get a hold of you? Starbucks is the obvious answer, but... Look for the closest <laughs> Wi-Fi hotspot. Uh, it's uh, Bradford bradford.ben at harmon.com, or you can find me at bradfordben.com. Uh, with two ends on the Twitters. You can find me at AV Nation, usually causing problems. Uh, you can find me on the Evil Book of Faces, the LinkedIn, the Google Plus. I'm a nerd. If it's it just just Google me as Bradford Ben, B-E-N-N. -N. And remember, kids, peace and love to all. Brush and floss well. All right. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me, but go by the website. Real quickly, uh, I forgot about this. Uh, congratulations to to an old friend of ours, uh, Tom Barry uh, from Varex. He's on the freaking cover of Commercial Integrator this month. I'm just Excellent. going to say that we will none of us will be able to live this down ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. I love you, Tom, but oh god, he's going to have it framed or something stupid. Of carry course. it to Amsterdam with him. Frame. Oh my gosh, yeah. Maybe you can have him on the episode. Maybe I should. There just you go. just the two of us. 
live from a coffee house in Amsterdam. All right. Um, anyhow, go to the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Bradford mentioned it. Uh, he, he and Mr. Matt Scott have done an awful lot of good work uh, on the website, so congratulate them. They're the reason it looks like it does and functions as well as it does. You'll find this program, our new connected one. We have a brand new social, uh, social uh, one called AV Social. All kinds of ones coming out. Uh, check out the YouTube page and also sign up for our newsletter. Uh, now that this is what I'm doing full time, we're actually going to do one uh, on a on a monthly basis. So yeah, check that out if you would please. Avnation.tv, Avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week.